Welcome to The Pulse Podcast, living abundantly, wholeheartedly. I'm your host, Matthew Rattan. Since a pulse doesn't mean you're alive, this podcast is about the vitality of firm faith, pursuing personal integrity, and consistently keeping the main thing the main thing in practical ways, day by day. Hey everyone, welcome to this very special edition to the podcast. I'm super excited to be talking with uh, uh, Dr. Tom Rayner and uh, you know, just this past week, I got my copy of, you know, christianbook.com that comes out, and I always look through it. You know, here's the devotionals, and here's the new study Bibles out. Tom's got his own section in there, so like, oh, wow, so I was just so excited about, about that as well. Um, but let me introduce who he is for, for the few of you who might not know him. So uh, Tom is the founder and CEO of Church Answers, and executive director of Revitalize Network. You'll actually see Church Answers on the door behind him, for those of you who are uh, watching the one version of this. He's a graduate of the University of Alabama, where he received his degree in business administration. I received both the Master of Divinity and the PhD degrees from Southern Seminary. Uh, Dr. Rayner has served as pastor of four churches. Uh, he's the former president of Rayner Group Consulting. He served for 12 years as dean at Southern Seminary and 13 years as the president and CEO of Lifeway Christian Resources. Yes, that Lifeway. Uh, Dr. Rayner has authored or co-authored uh, over 30 books. Among his greatest joys are his family and uh, I think I counted right. Eleven grandchildren. You got it. Eleven grandchildren. Wow. We thought we were at ten, and then uh, <laughs> uh, the oldest one adopted. He was in a foster situation that did not go well for the uh, biological family, and he ended oh. up adopting that one. So that became number eleven. We love wow. them all. Well, I'm sure that child is blessed and is welcomed into a wonderful home. He has blessed us. Yeah. Well, all right. So let's let's jump right into it. So again, thank you so much uh, for for taking the time to talk sure. talk with me and with us. And um, you know, I followed you online and, and read some of your books, going back to Simple Church and more recently, uh, the Post Quarantine Church. Uh, you know, I might bring up a quote from that. And uh, one that's kind of more specific to our topic today. I am a church member, which you can find there and online. And I'll provide the links to everything if we mention a resource or something or a, or a or a blog, so that you can find them online after the fact. Um, uh, so most recently, I was captured by this blog post you wrote called, uh, it's very concise, 11 signs you are becoming a church consumer instead of a committed church uh, member. And I think the reason I, I was captured by that as a pastor is because I, I just feel like consumeristic attitudes are coming more and more into the church and uh, kind of eroding its health. And before anyone thinks this is a, a guilt trip, I think that uh, it can come into my thinking too. And so this is something I think that we all maybe need to to wrestle with. So before I ask you about these uh, these 11 points, and I'll list them, uh, I want just want to ask you about America and Canada. So you're in America, I'm in Canada. In the post-quarantine church, you write this, without a doubt, Western culture has shifted, and it has shifted largely against churches, end quote. I would certainly agree with that assessment from what I've seen, but what, what makes the Canadian church context different than the American one, if anything? Well, the American the American context is more churched, to use an overused word, church. Right. And so uh, from, from the get-go, you're going to have a greater awareness of Christianity, a greater awareness of what the local church is in the United States than you would in Canada. But what is happening is in the United States, the drift, the chasm, whatever metaphor you want to use, is taking place as well. And so we are becoming more like large swaths of unchurched places, we being the United States. So if you ask the difference between the two, I would say the differences are narrowing, and mm -hmm. that's not necessarily a good thing. Right, right. I remember being in a, at a church conference up here in Canada a couple of years ago, and I was sitting at a table from some pastors, I think they were from maybe Tennessee, and um, 
they they were up here and were asking some of us questions because they thought that that their context was going to be much more like our context in 10 15 years so i thought well i don't know about they're, that they're but here's right. what it's like here's what it's like yeah and, and my office right now is in franklin tennessee which is a southern oh. suburb of nashville and i'm watching it right before my very eyes mm-hmm. uh, uh, made a trip recently to portland and portland in the united states has been one of those more to like Canada areas in terms of its mm. culture, in terms of its unchurched population. But what I saw there is what we're beginning to see here more and more in Tennessee. Hmm. Wow. All right. So I'd like to read your list of 11 signs you're becoming a church consumer instead of a committed church member. Well, there are one, your worship attendance becomes optional. Two, you replace in-person attendance with digital attendance. Bracket, you say, though I fully understand that some people are unable to attend in person. Three, your attendance to a small group uh, is declining or you stop attending completely. Four, your attitude toward your church is more critical. Five, your giving declines or stops. Six, you critique sermons instead of listening prayerfully. Seven, you see church as a place to meet your needs instead of your meeting the needs of others. Eight, you move readily to another church when your needs are not met. Nine, you get frustrated at what uh, other church members aren't doing. (laughs) Uh, Ten, you don't pray for your church regularly. Uh, Eleven, you don't share the gospel. So the first thing on that list is your your worship attendance becomes optional. So so why is that a sign of having a consumeristic mentality? Well, let's let's go back to, let's let's look at the New Testament. I think that's probably a better basis point than uh, post-quarantine church or a blog by Rainer. Uh, let's go back to the New Testament. Let's, let's, let's look at, okay, we got through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we understand the life of Christ. Now we're in the book of Acts. Acts 2, what happens? The church is born in Jerusalem. And then what happens after that? Not just in Acts, the rest of the New Testament, from Acts 2 to Revelation 3, the entirety of the Bible from Acts 2 to Revelation 3 is either about the local church or it's written in the context of the mm-hmm. local church or written to a local church. And so, God's plan A has always been the local church for his mission, and he does not have a plan B. And Mm. in the context of what is taking place, the gathered church is one of the spiritual disciplines, like prayer, Mm. like fasting, like reading the Bible. It is a spiritual discipline. So if you are not connecting with others, you are not fulfilling your role is what Christ followers are supposed to do. It's not about counting noses it is about the gathered church encouraging and participating with one another in worship uh, imagine this you just 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 imagine that uh, you've you're, you're on your wedding day and right before you're to say your vows you look at your wife to be and you say you know I love you but I want to tell you I'm not going to spend much time with you <laughs> I don't know if the vows would have been repeated at that point. That's what a <laughs> the honeymoon isn't is. going to go well. <laughs> well, that's that's what sporadic attendance is. Mm. I love you, but I don't really want to spend time with you. And what is the church? It is mm. the bride of Christ, and we're mm. telling the bride of Christ that we don't want to spend much time with her. We love you, but we'll, we'll go yeah. do our thing. There are other priorities. Mm. No, I think that's helpful, and and I like what you said too about the context of the New Testament, too, because sometimes people will say, oh, there's this passage or this passage, but that's missing the wider picture that this is written to, for, and about, and by churches, church communities, and it's just kind of a part of what they do. This is what we do, and this is the context. You know, Jesus goes to Newtown, well, he goes to the synagogue, so yeah, it's like it just, it saturates, and I think we can kind of maybe miss that right. as we kind of cherry-pick passages. Um, 
No, I realize and take seriously that everyone isn't able to meet uh, in person. Now, in, speaking of context, so Canada, uh, we've been slower to lessen the you know oh, COVID know. restrictions. So things, but things here in Ontario anyway are. I think I think all the restrictions are mostly gone anyway. Um, so we're back in person. We're online, although we were live streaming a bit before. But you know, you you can come. Masks are optional. You don't have to wear them. That sort of stuff. So I, I acknowledge and also acknowledge that some people do have legitimate health concerns and, and mobility issues and that sure. sort of stuff. But uh, it is obviously important for the church to physically gather when when it can do so. Um, I just want to ask you, how did your uh, quarantine experience impact your attitude about the role that other people play in, in your specific faith? You are asking the wrong person about my quarantine experience. I mean, <laughs> I am a bona fide extreme introvert. <laughs> and not trying to minimize the deaths and sickness and 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 mental anguish that took place during the quarantine, I had a great time. It was just me, myself, and I a lot of the time. Now you're asking the context of the church, though. Yeah, I miss my church. I did miss my community group. Uh, several years ago, six years ago, I made a commitment that I would not travel on weekends, uh, particularly on Sundays. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I found that I wasn't a good church member. And you held up a book maybe before recording started called I Am a Church Member. And I realized I wrote a book about something I'm not. Hmm. I'm, 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 I'm not a good church member. Um, my pastor, who happens to be my son, was happy because I was writing a tithe plus check uh, every week. But, but I was not a good church member. And I miss my church. Hmm. Uh, I, I love the fact now that I wake up on a Sunday morning. And I go to a community group. My community group is early Sunday morning. We have them throughout the week. And then I go to worship service. And uh, if I don't do that, I miss it because I love the community of imperfect believers. Mm-hmm. The community of imperfect believers. That's so good. Um, I find just going, like you see people and, and you're reminded of like this this richness. And oh, yeah, you, yeah, you, you were telling me that you've got this, you know, family visit coming up that you're worried about or... <laughs> You know, you've got, you know, so-and-so, your, your spouse is dealing with this prognosis and everything, but like, it's so much rich when you're, which, richer when you're there. So, hey, let me, uh, tell, you, let me yeah. tell you what we were doing in community group this morning, eight, uh, yesterday morning at eight o'clock. And when you say community group, I'm just going to interrupt you a second. Sorry. You mean kind of just, that's what you would call small groups. Small groups. That's your school, small groups. On, yeah. Okay. Just, just small group. We call them community. Some okay. life groups. They have, a, they have a lot of different. Okay. Groups. Okay. So that's in our community group. Um, we had about 15 there and, um, your listeners are going to hate this. What did what did I start off the community group with? I wanted them to see a new uh, duet uh, duo that I that I absolutely love, and they're they're called the Mona Lisa Twins, and they cover '60s songs, particularly the Beatles. <laughs> and so I said, "Hey guys, before we even go into prayer time, I want you to listen to the song by the Mona Lisa Twins." And and so we we listened to an old Beatles classic called "I'll Follow the Sun." had nothing to do with the Bible, had nothing to do with, with even Christianity. But I love the fact that I just felt comfortable being able to share Mona Lisa twins. And then oh, we wow. all sang it together. <laughs> <laughs> and then they were going home and on YouTube trying to find other videos maybe that they put out and see what else they can come up with and find their own favorite song. Oh, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to park there because they did. <laughs> Um, all right. Back to the list. Number four says your your attitude toward your church is more critical. 
uh, and end quote. So you know there there are times in life uh, in the life of a church when when certain criticisms are warranted. You know I think I think that's that's also a sign of health. But so what's the difference between having uh, a legitimate concern um, and then being critical? So what's the difference between that? Maybe could you provide an example? Maybe I try to remind all of us that the local church is analogous to marriage. And for those who are married, they can they can have some identity. We got the bride of Christ, we got the groom of Christ. I know that's a universal church, but it also applies to the local church as well. And mm-hmm. think about the times with your spouse when you are concerned versus critical. There, you know when you know exactly mm-hmm. when what the difference is, and you know that your spouse knows when you're being critical right. or you're being concerned. It's the same type of attitude toward the church. True concern may have a point of difference, but it's reflected and a heart that has been prayerful, and a heart that has been mostly positive. If, if the first time, let's use a pastor as the point of criticism, if the first time you have any kind of conversation with the pastor, it is some type of criticism, and you've never prayed for that pastor, nor have you been positive with that pastor, that is probably a little bit of a sign that you're being more negatively critical than you are being concerned. So put it in that kind of context, and I think you'll understand it. Hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's good. And that, and I want to get right into the next question because I was going to ask a follow-up, but it's actually based on what I was going to ask next anyway, because I think it kind of connects with it. Um, so just gonna, again, looking at the list, some of the, some of the points I think weighed, weighed more heavily on me as, as a pastor. So I've been in this, in this church context for 14 years. Um, so I think by today's standards, that's, that's a while, but point at says you move readily to another church when your needs are not met. And, and I can think of this happening. I can think of some people going that way. I can think of some people coming this way as well. Um, and that's, those are difficult, challenging things when they, when they occur. But one of the points that seemed very significant and intensely personal is that uh, consumeristic church members don't pray for their church regularly. And you just mentioned this about the not praying for the pastor, but, and maybe this is connected to this consumer receive, receive, receive. But, you know, why, why is praying, let's get into that. Why is praying for the church so important? And can you give some examples? Like what, what are the types of things that people should pray for their church for? Hey, just, just uh, do a quick review of some of Paul's letters. And he usually opens the letters with prayer and he usually mm-hmm. closes them. Um, you know, maybe, maybe there's a salutation at the beginning, but usually there's a prayer. I mean, look at the uh, look at Ephesians, look at Philippians, and don't look at Galatians because it's really ticked off. Yeah. But, but, <laughs> but he's a bit hot under the car. <laughs> look at look at those and, and see the overflowing love that he has for the church. Mm-hmm. And if you were to ask me this question, you aren't, so I'm going to ask it myself. Tom, do you pray for your church consistently? I would say not as consistent as I need to. Hmm. And uh, in fact, I'm, I'm pretty inconsistent with praying for things that I should. Maybe not inconsistent in prayer as much as praying for things I should. So I, I, never, I never had seen the Echo app, E-C-H-O, Echo Prayer. And I don't know who makes it, but it's a free app. And I'm visual. And so several times a day I go to the Echo app and I look at uh, where I should be praying and I have on there my church now. So it he- mm. that's one way it helps me. Not everybody wants to go to technology to be reminded of something, but mm-hmm. for an introvert who likes to look at things and not talk to people, it's perfect. One of the things that you talk about in the book is you, you talk about um, you know making a consistent discipline of praying for the church. So one of the things actually in response to that that I introduced at our church was uh, didn't go up to five minutes yet, but two minutes. If you consider Westminster your church home, uh, we invite you and challenge you to pray for your church uh, family and for all the things, at least two minutes every day. So people will start them and do that. It's really great. Um, so, so I appreciate that. And at the same time, I think 
I wouldn't mind your, your thought on this. Coming out of COVID, I think there's people who are really committed to the church family. They know what's going on. They've been invested in, in, in a part of the body proactively throughout the whole time. But I wonder if, because a lot of people were watching online for a while, it's almost like they went into more receptive mode, and it's hard to get out of that. Is that something oh, that other people are experiencing? It's like, wait a second, yeah, this yeah. is a body that I'm a part of, not something I'm just watching. Yeah, it, it goes back to something you said earlier, that when you walk into an in-person service and you see somebody, it reminds you about them and you begin to interact with them. Well, that is being proactive. And there has mm-hmm. been a sense of passivity may not, passivity may be too strong a word, but receiving more than giving. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's naturally what we do when we sit in front of a screen. That is, that is the path we go. So I think you're on target with that, that, uh, there, there has been a lot of receiving, and it's taken us a while to get back into the giving mode. Hmm. Now, specifically coming out of, like you talked about, you know, what do we pray for? Well, let's look at the, the letters and Paul's letters, et cetera. But specifically, because like things are changing, I think, you know, in culture and church and everything else, and things are changing rapidly. Are there a couple things that, you know, based, like you've you've written books, you've talked to people, you've, you've got a, you, know, you interact with so many people. Are there a couple things top of mind that you would say, hey, the big stuff's afoot. Here's things that people need to be, regardless of the context, praying for their local church. I don't know if this is exactly your question, but I'm going to provide an answer and we can see if it's the context in which you ask it. The, the, one of the things that has happened is not only commitment waning, but declining commitment in attendance. And again, that particular phrase rubs people the wrong way because there's a sense of legalism you're, you're a nickel and noses type of guy. But again, I go back to, you know, what is the church? Uh, one of the things it definitely is, it's a regular gathering of believers. And as we go through the New Testament, it's at least weekly, sometimes even more so. And one thing that is happening that I would just say for all churches and members to be on the watch out for is the definition of what it means to be truly contributing to the body of Christ. The bar is getting lower and lower. And by bar, I mean the bar of expectations. And so someone who was, uh, if, if you go back 20 years, a typical active church member was at least in worship two or three times a month. Now that definition has gone down to if they're there at least once a month. Mm-hmm. And so as, as these things are changing, ask the question, is, my, is, is, is going to worship, is the gathered church a choice among many? Or is it a priority among all? And that becomes a key question to ask. That doesn't mean you never miss church. It doesn't mean you're never sick or never out of town. But we begin to find ourselves just putting the gathered church as a choice among many that we make every single week. And if we do that, then others will get the priority quite often. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I like what you said earlier, too, about it being a, a spiritual discipline. Like we don't usually we just think of spiritual disciplines, prayer, Bible reading fasting, you know, those types of things, but it's work to go. And, you know, I've got, my kids are nine, 11 and 13. And so, uh, and there's, I was talking about this with someone else and their kids are pretty young. It's, it's hard work, you know, getting them there. And then someone else has got teenagers and they want to do that. You know, there's all these different things, but the the discipline of doing it teaches the family that this is important and we do this. Yeah. Uh, and And I can say as an old man on the other side of raising kids, the incredible benefit of sticking to the discipline for my adult sons now 
and what they are doing with their wives and their children, my loving grandchildren right now. Right. Uh, they, they've told me on more than one occasion, thank you hmm. for just making the church important and, wow. and not in a legalistic way, but thank you for showing us how to love the church. Hmm. I don't want to put myself on a pedestal to indicate I did things perfectly, but in that area, they said, we have learned to love the church. And all three went into ministry, and I tried to convince them not to go into <laughs> ministry, do anything. I was going to say, what did you say to them? <laughs> no, no. I was the first person in my family, as yeah. far as I can find genealogy, that was in vocational ministry. And I had no desire for my sons to be. Yeah. Yeah. Unless, unless you really, you know, unless the Lord's calling you, don't, don't do it. But no, that's, that's great that you set that example. So that's, that's wonderful. And that's, yeah, that's a part of your witness. Um, so you've talked to thousands of people, you know, thousands of thousands, wrote to hundreds of thousands more. In, in the post-quarantine church, you say, you talk about the difficulty of COVID and we've touched on it a bit. Um, the landscape's changing, changing quickly. You write this, there have been some changes to be sure, but there have been many more opportunities the church is entering the most amazing and exciting days it has seen in decades, maybe even in centuries, um, end quote. So why do you think that? And I'm not disagreeing, but why do you think that? And what can a committed church member to, to do to be a part of to be part of that? We do have research that is uh, basically on the unchurch and the attitude of the unchurch toward Christians and toward church. And it's surprising. Usually Christians are more critical about Christians in church than unchurched are about Christians in church. Hmm. There's a great deal of receptivity out there. Only 5% of the people that we've interviewed, and it was North American context, just Canada and the U.S., uh, only 5% had an antagonistic attitude toward church hmm. and the Christian. Look, here, here's, here's what's going on. It's Matthew 9. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. Hmm. What Jesus was saying 2,000 years ago is still what is there today. It's an incredible opportunity. And I'll speak from my context and uh, kind of the Bible Belt swath of the United States of Christianity. It is easier, if I could use those words, to share my faith than it was 15, 20 years ago when everybody said they were a Christian. Right. It's really easier to talk to someone who knows that they're not a follower of Christ. And so those opportunities are out there galore. It is not that we... We don't have opportunities to see more people become followers of Christ. We simply mm -hmm. don't have workers in the harvest field. And that's why we, our benediction at uh, my, my son's church where I go, my youngest son is my pastor. Uh, we, we read those last verses of Matthew 9 every single week as mm -hmm. a reminder that the harvest field is plenty and now it's up to us. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. That's, that's I, have really a, I have an incredible optimism. Uh, optimism hope, faith, plus obedience is going to enter us into a powerful time. <clears throat> mm. Yeah, I think, I think we need that word hope too. And you talk in the book about, you know, God being on the throne and, and having a vision for the future. And, and uh, you know, um, a, a couple things, you know, you say I, in some cases, um, people have replaced the Great Commission with a great complacency. Um, and that is, that is so... That? Yeah, you said that in the post-quarantine church, year-by-year -year process. Oh, I like that. I'm going to yeah. have to repeat it sometime. <laughs> it's on page 48. Got <laughs> you, it. Can, you can look it up. That's um, almost the end of the book. Yeah. <laughs> That's another thing, by the way. These these books, they're they're concise. They're they're meant to be read and, and used. And so it's, uh, it's well, really... Let me, let me tell you about that book. That book was not supposed to be written. I'd signed a contract with Tyndale to do nine books, I think. And... Uh, I was starting on my second book and I was already a bit weary because I wanted to get some early releases done. I was starting on my second book with them and 
uh, my contact at Tyndale called and said, can you, can we add one more book? I said, sure. Nine, 10, doesn't make any difference <laughs> to me. I said, what do you want to do? He said, I want to do something with post-quarantine church. We're still mm. in the quarantine now, but I want you to write about what you think it's going to look like. Mm. I said, well, this thing could be over pretty quickly. I had no idea when I said, when, when, when do you want it done? They said, um, can, can, can you write it in three weeks? <laughs> so I wrote it in 18 days. <laughs> wow. Wow. So that's well, why my, all my books tend to be small, but that's why that one is really small. Okay. Okay. Well, it's good though, because it's, <clears throat> it makes it very compact. So here's six, here's six categories and things that, which is again, as I'm thinking through, oh yeah, that makes sense. And that makes sense. So it's very practical too, by the way. So thank you for that. It's, it's, sure. uh, you know, obviously very theologically rooted in, in the scriptures, but you kind of focus it down and, and for us, which is very good. I, I think I should read the great commission more often, right at the end of the service. That'd be great. Go and make disciples of all, of all nations. Um, I, I like them both, but I sure like Matthew nine to re, just remind people that, hey, you don't have to go looking for people. They're there. Just mm-hmm. be just be ready and open. Yeah. Well, I think I think what you say about the culture, too, um, and, you know, few, fewer people identifying as Christian, that's certainly the case in, in Canada, definitely. I think the last census said, I think, 23% of Canadians attended a church event once a month. Uh, I don't know what the weekly attendance is, but uh, anyway. Oh, yeah, it's way less than that. But um, the idea is when you're talking about faith, it's like you're, you're different. So you're talking about Jesus and, uh, you know, the, this God, he's created the world, and here, here's kind of what reality is like. It's like, oh, wow, that is, that's really different, and w- which makes it compelling. So that's, yeah, there's the harvest. So um, anyway, I want to I wrap this up, but I really want to thank you. I appreciate your time and your well, work, and I want to thank you on the podcast uh, on, my, on behalf of myself and other people, the listeners, uh, for what you're doing. Um, we, we pray for you. Uh, we, we love that you're blessing the church in very practical ways. It's a challenging time. It's an uncertain time, as you acknowledge. Uh, so we, we appreciate the help. So just to close it off, I want to ask you, any projects you're per- personally working on that you want to let us know about and maybe how people can connect with you if they want to follow you online or, or, or learn more? Um, I hate to give three URLs because that sounds like it's so self-promoting. And we'll, we'll list them. That's okay. Yeah. Uh, but but uh, our, our home site is churchanswers.com. So, you know, that's the place. One of the things I'm more excited about right now is churchanswers.university. It is a certification program for people who are think that they have some type of leaning into ministry, maybe lay people who want to serve mm-hmm. in a more involved place in the church. We started it in Uganda because uh, many Ugandan pastors did not have formal training. And basically it's uh, 10 solid courses led by some of the best scholars in the world oh, wow. uh, and very, very affordable. And uh, Tyndale will send you all the books free uh, once you, once you sign up for it. And it's, uh-huh. it's an incredible ministry. So I would just urge people to go to churchanswers.university. A lot of churches are accepting certifications now as the credentials to go into a church. And this hmm. takes about nine months to complete. And so it's all, it's all digital. So that's one of the projects. And then I I would just, for the last one, and thanks for the opportunity to mention, I would say go to our new retail site, uh, churchanswers.christianbook.com. And we have collated, what what we're trying to do, we know we can't be Amazon, but we can collate Amazon and and provide for you some recommendations so you don't have to Mm -hmm. go through there. And we're trying, I think we're competing with the price of Amazon pretty well too, but Mm -hmm. 
uh, churchanswers.christianbook.com. That's only been around for 60 days, and it's, uh, it's, it's part of our store, if you will. And we have about fifty to 100,000 uh, different titles and inventory, so you can get most anything that you want. Thank you for that. And what I would say is, is that that is so uh, important because one of the things I miss, we had a Christian bookstore here in town, which closed in the, in the pandemic, but I miss going in and asking someone, oh, hey, what about this? And so if you're just going on Amazon, it's hard to know. So it sounds like the way you've described it, you're kind of helping people with some of that background information to make, you know, uh, some more wise decisions at good, at good prices. And we've, we've categorized them. If you just want things on New Testament, we have a tab for that. If you're doing homeschool and you want resources on homeschool, we have a tab for that. Hmm. Uh, so we have featured on the homepage, but then we have the categories. So we're excited about uh, churchanswers.christianbook.com. All right. Well, thank you very much for your time. Let's go and make disciples of all nations. God bless you. Thanks, for, thanks again for being with us. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to The Pulse Podcast. I invite you to subscribe or maybe even leave a review on your favorite podcasting app. It helps spread the word. You can also sign up for the Up Daily Devotional that I write at theupdevo.com. Let's live abundantly, wholeheartedly.